0: Welcome to the Bearded Tits Podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Today I'm talking to singer-songwriter Kitty McFarlane, who mashes up folk tunes with natural sounds to make some incredible pieces of music. She's guest presented radio shows on BBC Radio 3 and 4 and was nominated for a Horizon Award. Her debut album, Namer of Clouds, is out now and here's a little sample of it.
1: We stop and let the sky take hold of our breath As the last of the evening light Pleased
0: to the world. Wonderful stuff. Now if you can, there's a link in the description to buymeacoffee.com. And if you can help the podcast by donating three quid to keep it going, uh, that would be absolutely amazing because I can then buy things like tea and milk and sugar and just go absolutely nuts. And if you could leave a review, that really helps the podcast out. So whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Pornhub, whatever platform you're using, chuck us a review and that'll help out massively. Now today, me and Kitty chat about why she uses nature as a theme for her music, how she incorporates the sounds of nature into her songs, and why she wrote a song about eels. Here's our chat. Well, welcome to the podcast, Kitty. Hello. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, lovely to be here. I'm a little bit um I'm a little bit sleepy today. I got up at 3.40 to go down to Hamwall um on the Avalon marshes to hear the bitterns, which was lovely. But did I now hear I did hear, heard lots of bitterns, which oh, was great. great. And a cuckoo, and I saw my first Swift of the Year. So it was a really good morning. You know, when you hear um like an alarm go off, like your like a car alarm or like a doorbell or something, and then it goes off so many times that afterwards you can kind of hear it. In your head, and you just you're convinced it's there. <laughs> I'm back in the middle of Bristol now, and I'm hearing bittens everywhere. That. It's so you weird.
0: Got that. Oh, oh. Yeah, what is that?
1: No. It must be just like some machinery somewhere.
0: <laughs> well, I think how you feel, I probably look because I've just been out on a uh, a shoot filming fish eggs. So I'm a bit scruffy. So if you're if you're listening to this, you won't notice. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll think I look like Wurzel Gummage or something. But yeah, I'm uh there's no hairs and graces on this on this podcast. Um I was looking up on your website because there's a lot of stuff in Cornwall. Did you did you go to Falmouth Uni? no around- i didn't
1: no didn't. i went oh, okay. to um so i'm from down in somerset so i'm from down yeah. kind of west southwest somerset and have moved all the way up to bristol but i went um to warwick university in the in the middle um and then came back down here so i love the west country though
0: oh okay so it's just you've got an affinity for cornwall and that's why you there yeah
1: I mean it's not so much it's Cornwall Devon Somerset okay. all around here okay. it's just yeah I love it yeah around here.
0: It's- yeah it's a nice place to live definitely I do I, I used to live in Cornwall for a few years and I'm, oh did you I, yeah I, lived in, I went to Falmouth Uni so I was down there so if I could if I could go back I'd, I'd love to you I think once you live near the sea it's quite hard I mean I'm pretty much as far away from the sea as you can possibly get in the UK at the minute so it'd be nice to um to go back at some point but obviously what a lot of people will know you for is, is the Songs and the songwriting that you do. And I just wondered why use uh nature as a theme for your songs.
1: Oh, I mean, I don't know whether it's why, it's sort of like how not to really. <laughs> I think um, yeah, I started writing songs when I was a teenager and just basically from the off, they were about, you know, the the landscapes and stories and wildlife that I know and um and coming from Somerset, I have a great love of the Somerset levels in particular. Um I think something about their timelessness and just um ancient magic as well like you know they they're a relatively new landscape in the grand scheme of things just being kind of created since the last ice age mostly but they're kind of perforated by these little hills that you can go and stand on top of and just get these views for miles across the the landscape and that's especially beautiful in winter during the flood times when the the fields and the and the wetlands are just kind of like patchwork mirrors reflecting the sky and it's so evocative um and I and you know having been just down there this morning it's easy to talk about because when you're when you're down there looking across the scrape or the or the wet the flooded land flooded wetlands it feels like you're you're taking a like a glance into back into time and across could be like 6000 years ago and you're you're hearing the bitterns calling and all of the other crazy scooting and clattering of all the wildfowl across the water it really feels like you could be back there in neolithic times yeah and uh, yeah. yeah so what that's one of the things that kind of really feeds in but i think really when when it comes to songwriting my way of my my use of songwriting I think is is to try and um try and get to grips with our place in the natural world and and how humans and nature kind of intersect and I use that very very loosely because I think it's it's really weird saying nature and humans as if we're two separate things yeah um yeah, yeah. when really it's it's kind of being a part of nature and not detached from it so they, that's what I why I always kind of try and do with the songwriting
0: I guess it's a form of storytelling as well, isn't it, to a degree?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think that's why my music kind of sits in the folk genre, really, mm. because it's a it's a traditional storytelling canon, um, which tells tells stories of people and not just yourself, but your you know your part in a bigger picture, um, and current stories as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask what kind of uh, it is. Quite, I was going to say it's fairly obviously folk, I guess, but like it can be hard to pick genres, I suppose, for your music sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think genre is a little bit to be sniffed at anyway. Yeah. People do like to put labels labels on things.
0: Normally, I've either met people or I know of them, but I literally just bumped into you like a week ago. And then I thought, oh, a songwriter, that'd be really good for the podcast. And uh, so to just give some background to that, um, myself and Kitty were at an eel release on the River Seven. Kitty performed a song uh, about eels, which, you know, there there can't be many. The only one I can think, probably sharing my age a little bit, is Mighty Boosh. I remember they did a song about (laughs) eels... on that but apart from that there's obviously kitty's song so out of all the creatures to sing about why why the eel
1: i love eels <laughs> <laughs> um I, It'd be awkward yeah, if you I
0: said you hated them
1: i got really into eels a couple of years a few years ago when i did a um well I, I went out uh with a couple of elver fishermen one night in in february and we went down to western supermare um to uphill um where there's some big Kind of sluice gates that the eels kind of can't make their way upstream um and this is this is at a stage when they're i mean you, you obviously you know all the, <laughs> this no, no, yeah obviously um, yeah go for it they're uh they're they've just arrived um in in europe from the sargasso sea all the way across the atlantic and they're tiny mi- miniature see-through noodle-like glass eels what we call glass eels at that point and Um, there's something incredibly magical about the fact that these tiny scraps of life had come so far and also it's part of a process that's been going on for for so long throughout history and it I find it incredibly reassuring to think of that centrifuge that drives all of these things around the planet these migrations from the eel to the swallows to the you know seasons changing to the tectonic plates beneath our feet gradually shifting and and our place in that as well and our human movement. And I think there's so many issues that the eel faces on its journey upstream, like, you know, physical obstacles, like the barriers of dams and weirs and um the trafficking element of illegal, you know, yeah. wildlife crime. Ethiopia,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, and and also the loss of habitat from from climate change in our our industry as well um, all of those things seem kind of weirdly reflective of our our own human plight um, from our own questions of belonging and rights to land to two issues of human movement and i think they're quite sort of emblematic of a world that is fracturing not just for the eel but for us as well so it's one of the I I kind of see the eel as incredibly as it were I mean it's talked about as an indicator species isn't it with the health of the rivers and health of the planet as a whole but the other thing about eels is that they're just so mysterious and intriguing and and they've been baffling scientists for centuries and we still don't really know a lot about them we've never seen them breed in the wild which is crazy yeah
0: Um, yeah it is something and, that yeah. you could be seeing, you know, in our local ponds and rivers and no one's ever seen them breed. So there you go.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's obviously why they're being trafficked around the world is because they're kind of caught at a young age and then shipped across or flown across in these suitcases to Chinese um, eel farms where they're grown on for culinary purposes, yeah. um, which is really crazy. But yeah, so and, and I think also there's a bit of an underdog status about them, you know, people people see them as a little bit sinister and scary and they're you know, living at the depths of these dark places. And... It's
0: a serpentine as well I guess isn't it?
1: Yeah something yeah. a bit Loch Nessy about them yeah. uh, people were kind of interested but yeah I mean there are so many interesting things about Eels that I I find very compelling but I think the main reason from a songwriting perspective is that kind of reflection of the movement of everything on the planet and 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 how actually comforting that can be as well. I find it quite comforting to think of these things that are going to happen every year, and that yeah. I'm part of. I'm part of something like that.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't think you could draw many parallels between an eel and a person, but I guess when you put it like that, there's a few there, isn't there?
1: <laughs> some some people more than others, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and I was listening to some of your songs as well, and I know some of them you include field recordings, something like water and birdsong. And I wonder, does nature have a rhythm to it? or is, is you know is there something that you're listening to when you listen back to those recordings like is that just that specific note of a blackbird or that riffle or is it more random do you just think oh i'm just going to take that clip and overlay it with some music
1: that's a really interesting question because i think sometimes when you're when you're just out and about in nature you don't really um necessarily notice what's going on and you it's it's that kind of action of actively listening which is really beautiful and when i took my little zoom recorder out to the levels and to the somerset coast and even made it across to sardinia for one particular adventure of a song um and and did those recordings you kind of you actively listen in a way that you you don't normally do and yeah that's um brings to light a lot of other sounds you know suddenly i'm on the levels and i'm hearing not just this clatter of of waterfowl but also the distant motorway and and the um remaining peatworks that are still working down there and and the little micro light overhead that's really annoying and going round and round and <laughs> all of those and things
0: uh nightmare aren't they?
1: nightmare oh um yeah and all of those things kind of come to light and it's it's that texture and, and you don't necessarily pick apart if you're just out but yeah i wonder if it, i wonder if it is some sort of tempting rhythm or or, or timbre or something but for me, it just injects me straight away into those places. So and that actually after having made the album and, and recording these these places, I think because specifically a lot of my songs are about place and there's a real sense of place there. And I like the idea of kind of collaborating with those places in a way.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean,
1: their voices there as well. But yeah, then I I started um I managed to get some a sampler that I enables me to play those sounds live on stage um uh, and there's there's that's a really great feeling of being in a dingy basement venue in London playing the sounds of the levels to yeah. these people that you know have never been there and suddenly taking that's that place to them as well
0: is that I mean, and my music knowledge is bloody awful is that the thing that Ed Sheeran used like the foot loop thing is that the same thing
1: it's not quite not. the same, no. But no. he probably could do do it with that. So loop the the looping pedal is when you kind of play something live. So you'll play a little riff, and then yeah. you'll record that, and then you'll play it back, and you can play uh, on top okay. of that, which is quite it cool. It's all sense. kind of live, yeah. And um, whereas I can I can if I could get a bitten to come up with me to London, then I could maybe do that. But
0: that would be a show, d- wouldn't it? Be you quite know.
1: dependent on like whether it was feeling you know like performing or not. Bitten or on the bass. Yeah, that would. <laughs> I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: One day, who knows, getting a bit more common. <laughs> have, have you have you got any musical inspiration? Are there any artists or any anything musically that inspires your work?
1: Yeah, I think like, I mean, when I was growing up and and starting playing guitar, I had this amazing guitar teacher who's still a good friend. Uh, and he he kind of threw me in the deep end and and when I started learning when I was 11, I'd never picked up a guitar before, picked it up the wrong way uh, <laughs> at first. And, uh, and he, he was like, right, you're going to be on stage performing in two weeks time. We're going to do, I think we did like Nora Jones or something. So he taught me Nora Jones and I performed it in two weeks time. And it was, it was that kind of, I think, yeah, being dumped in the deep end is really great at that, at that age. But I also, you know, I learnt Streets of London, Ralph McTell, which is a bit of a classic, but it's a great song. And also Anne Briggs and um, Tim Buckley as well. And a lot of the um, folk singers of the 60s and 70s, um, there's an amazing wealth of uh, English and well uk great british you know british performers i guess from that time that were they were touring around and gathering a real audience for themselves and i love a lot of that music oh cool
0: and i guess likewise are there any natural i mean you've, you've kind of already covered this i guess with mentioning ham ham and somerset levels but are there any natural or nature inspirations i suppose is there anything in nature that just makes you want to pick up a guitar and, and write some music
1: yeah i think um you know there there are loads of specific places um from from you know West Hay, Catcott, Hamwall, Shackbrook Heath all those places down on the Avalon marshes that have a um ancient magic to them but also the Somerset coast at Steart marshes um where you know the river Parrot opens up into the Bristol channel that's an amazingly evocative place and and a really good example of how man can work with landscape to help nature and man kind of thing um marshes is is one of the largest habitat creation schemes in the country and it's uh it's an amazing wetland area of of salt marsh and i think salt marsh is a one of those in-between places um literally standing you know between the coast and the land and when the tide comes in across the salt marsh it absorbs the power of of this of the water and acts as a kind of buffer for the land behind it Um, and that that area that whole area is known for flooding over the over the millennia really and and it's kind of an area of flooding that's been kind of gradually getting worse as we've seen sea levels rising and and other effects of climate change and so this is a really positive thing that's been put in place that creates incredible habitats for overwintering birds and you know nursery for fish stock and all that stuff um but also protects the agricultural land and the the people from from being flooded so I love that place in particular um and also when you're when you're standing there and you you go up there's a tower hide that's okay. really high, and you can, which is a really beautiful piece of architecture, and you can stand at the very top of it and look across, and you see for miles in all directions, and you can see across the Bristol Channel to Cardiff on the other side, and then if you look right, you've got Burnham on Sea with this little white-legged lighthouse in the distance and the mouth of the river parrot opening up in miles of mud, and I love mud in general. I think it's a really kind of... <laughs> special thing um and then on the left there's Hinkley Point nuclear power station so it's one of those um really strange kind of meeting points of um brutality of nature of of, of man and then the kind of beauty of nature um which is what Assault Marsh I think does and yeah I, I yeah I think it's a really special place but um yeah all sorts of things inspire me there I've got I've got random songs about random things I've got a song about um uh the man who created all the names for the cloud formations back in 1803 i think it was um called namer of clouds and uh yes I've, yeah
0: i've seen that one on your on the uh, spotify come up
1: yeah, yeah that one's um that was quite a fun one to to write and getting in the head of this person who obviously grew up at a time of scientific discovery and i think i find it quite interesting the idea that we have to put names on things and as, as yeah. humanity and what is what is it about that that uh is it a ca- case of kind of like claiming seeking a claim on and controlling something beyond us um so that's kind of what that song's about
0: yeah yeah i guess we can't help ourselves can we to, uh, to a degree we gotta we gotta name things H- have you got uh obviously you're working in nature and and writing songs about animals and natural history and things like that have you got a favorite song uh, about an animal or nature is there is there one that sticks out
1: hmm.
0: not necessarily your own it could be it could be somebody else's if there's a song out there that you think, well i really like that's really catchy
1: there's lots of great songs out there i mean i love some of chris wood's stuff and i love some of kareem uh, polewatt's things and there's a there's a great uh, band called um kind of collaborative band called spell songs um which is part of the Lost Words project inspired by um, Rob, Robert McFarlane and Jackie Morris's book. Um, and that's an amazing source of, of music um, about, you know, responding to nature and our loss of it as well. I think um, for myself, I think um, I, I have a song, it's not quite about an animal, but it's, it was inspired by an interesting clam. <laughs> okay which um was is found on in the Mediterranean it's got a rare it's the noble pen shell clam um and it produces this kind of it secretes these filaments which is what anchors it to the seabed in the Mediterranean okay. and historically these kind of um seaweedy it's called byssus this kind of anchoring uh filamented stuff like a Beard. yes um, is it, is it beard beard, yeah, yeah. 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 If you said that that would have been easier yeah. <laughs> but um Yeah. So this stuff has historically been kind of taken and transformed um, through ancient craft practices into a thread, uh, which is then used in textiles. So it's it's an amazing story, I think, of this, uh, you know, ancient creature, but also this living practice that lives alongside it and it's dying out as an art form, partly because the clams are endangered and they're protected, um, but also because no one really wants to do it anymore, I think. Um, and there's a, there's a big there's a sea oath around um that area which stops people from um selling anything made of sea silk. It's called sea silk. Um uh, this, okay. this stuff. What,
0: what was um, the name of clam again?
1: It's called a noble pen shell clam or pin a novelist. Tri- that's
0: a tricky one to work into a song, surely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got yeah, I haven't got the name of the clam. Oh, song okay,
0: okay. I was gonna say maybe. sea sea silk, I can see how sea that, silk, might, sea that, that might work quite nicely, but noble pen shell, I don't know, maybe if you were catchy you could think of something <laughs> uh, you mentioned you were up at three this morning forbidden so would you describe yourself as a birder
1: yeah um yeah. I'm a kind of learning as I go birder I'd say okay. as, um I yeah I'm, I'm I'd say that birds are probably my my biggest interest at the moment um okay. I think they're kind of an easy one to get into aren't they um and when you live near places like that it's quite amazing like I went out this morning and we we saw immediately great great white egret and um, marsh harrier kind of with its kind of hooked nose just sort of prowling across the, the reed beds and um, yeah as I said kittens on all corners like just booming away uh, in the morning and, um, and, a, and a cuckoo and a swift or a couple of swifts for the first time which was lovely and lots of like tufted ducks and it was just really really great <laughs> worth like, getting up that early
0: yeah definitely because i guess for most birders it's a visual thing but i guess because you work uh in an audio profession you're you're probably taking in the sounds a lot more than other people possibly yeah. i don't know but i guess yeah. it, is, it is we we had um uh gary moore on a few weeks ago and he's a sound man for the watchers and things and um i think it is a shame that we don't just shut We when you go onto to an age reserve Maybe just for a minute, just shut your eyes and kind of drink it in. Because there are, I mean, those birds you've just described have all got such distinctive calls. Uh, I mean, I am i don't get swifts uh, nesting in my back on my house, but there are houses nearby me that get swifts. And I haven't seen any yet. But that call in the summer, for me, that sums up the summer. That kind of, it's like a piercing. I, I can't do an impression because I don't think anyone <laughs> can, but it's just a real indicator that summer's here when you hear the swifts coming.
1: Yeah, definitely, a, and a, it's one. It's also one of those ones that if you get it in your head, and then you, you know, if you've heard it a lot, then you can hear it everywhere, even when they're not there. That's yeah. Those things.
0: Yeah. No, uh, especially at this
1: time of year when you're kind of like waiting for them to appear.
0: Yeah, I've seen a few people on kind of like the nature Twitter and whatever. There's a few people who are like I've just seen my first. Well, you've actually done it today, and I'm like mm-hmm,
1: grumbling <laughs> no no I
0: know, no, it's okay, I'll no, let you off. But I'm. Um, they can't be long behind. I don't think um, they should be. Should be here at some point. It, is Is there an animal that you're yet to sing about that you'd like to or, or is there an animal that you just like to do a song about at some point
1: um you know i don't know whether it would work in a song but i've just um discovered the wonderful waterfall um about uh, okay. 10 minute 10 minute drive from where i live in bristol there's a um pocket of nature right next to the m5 called lawrence Weston reserve which is an amazing place and it's it's run by the Avon Wildlife Trust and it's a little pocket of um kind of a haven for water voles which are really endangered and I didn't really know much about water voles until very recently and I've been going there a few times and sitting very quietly and, and watching and waiting and uh that's been really really great to to see and um I don't I'm, I've never seen an otter I would love to see an otter have you not um, oh, okay. no I was hoping that maybe this month whenever I go up get up really early I'm hoping that I might see one but they seem to be, be evading me around
0: the levels surely they,
1: they see them all the time there I don't know what's wrong with me why I can't <laughs>
0: it's it. that otter repellent you're putting on in the morning they obviously yeah. don't like it but um, do, is that where you went with Pete Coop is that where you saw the ball yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Lawrence Weston yeah Pete yeah. Pete was the one who um showed me that spot which was oh, I bet you could do a tempo. song
0: something really like I don't know I was going to say fast tempo because they are always just, like that all the time. The legs are moving frantically, so maybe. The other something... day,
1: I um, I was sat out there for about an hour, and I brought my flatmate, and she has to start work at 8 30 so we had to get up sort of fairly early in order to get there and back again in time. And um, we waited and waited and waited, and nothing showed, and she was a bit like, "Well, you know, you said there'd be waterfalls, and um, which I had <laughs> fallen out
0: with you, like, no, that's it, kid. you're we through." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then we saw this kind of ripple. Well, it was more of a kind of feeling actually, as like something as a foot, just before we left. And there was a kind of ripple that started at one end and just gradually went across the whole pond in front of us. And um I was like holding my oh, we were both holding our breath. And and then suddenly this I mean which I've never actually seen before, but you know, normally they just kind of slip out of the side and have a little munch on the reeds. But um it just did this kind of weird belly flop kind of humpback humpback whale type like. Breach and obviously right. came out and then saw us and then went back in again. But it all happened so quickly that it was quite comical.
0: Oh, they are great. I do like. Well, I haven't. I haven't seen, no, I haven't seen one this year yet. I do. There's a few uh, not too far away in the Peak District, mean That's normally where I go to uh, oh, nice. to see them. But they are they are pretty pretty good. um But before we go, if people want to hear your songs, where where's the best place to to listen to them and and to find out more?
1: So I've got a website which is KittyMcFarland.com um which has. Kind of everything you need to know there and um on social media as well, all the normal places. Um and I've on on Spotify as well. So you can you can check out my music on Spotify. It's probably the easiest way.
0: (laughs) Great. I'll put a link to all that in the description. So if people want to find out more, they can they can click on all of that. Well look, it's been great to to talk about this stuff, Kitty, because it's a world that I've never really thought about combining nature and and music, but it seems like it's a, a, a great coupling.
1: Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely part of the scene to be existing, I think. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> nice so much. It.
0: No, it's great. It's great to have you on. Pleasure. So take care. That was the wonderful Kitty McFarlane. It was great to meet her at the Eel release, and so glad I was able to get her on the show. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at TitBearded and the Facebook page, The Bearded Tits Podcast. Next week I have gentleman angler Chris Yates on who you may know from passion for angling or as the farmer, farmer, former corp, can't fucking talk today, for, I'm keeping this in, as the former carp record holder as we talk about Burbert, red and how he's currently preferring bird watching to angling, especially hen harriers. This has been the Bearded Tits podcast, I've been Jack Perks. And I'll catch you next Tuesday. Cheers.